you began that series of uh, what uh, English England is to me or whatnot. Mm. From all your journeys around the country, from what you believe to begin with to what you now have come to, how's that changed? And where are you about that? If you can perhaps talk about that a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose it was, it was similar with the flag in that you notice that at football matches, the England flag comes out and on St. George's Day, the, the English flag comes out. And then the rest of the time, it's an embarrassment. And this had been creeping along and you start to realise that people are not, you know, Scotland's very proud of its Scottish heritage, of course, and the Welsh uh, of theirs and the Irish, etc. But um, but when it came to England, we weren't English. We were we were British. And you go, I'm sorry, but I am English. Why can't I be English? Why is that a thing? Why is that a problem for people? And then the whole diversity and the wokeness and and all of this was sort of dumbing down the country as if we we were just a trading nation where people would just come and you could be whatever na- nationality you were and i thought but that doesn't really work in other places in other countries if i go to spain i want to see the spanish people living in the spanish way and and portugal or japan or china or wherever and i thought but when I mean, you can still see it, obviously, in the countryside. But when people come to cities now, I mean, London, for example, there's no Cockneys in London. EastEnders is a complete lie. It's a fabrication. You'd never find anybody uh, like them in London anymore. Um, And the truth of, of these enclaves of different nationalities is it it's just that it's happened so fast. I think that the, you know, people, and, and as soon as you start talking into this, you know, you've now got to sort of be very careful how you put it, because if you're defending your country against different people coming into your country and residing here, suddenly, you know, just that the start of that conversation becomes a racist conversation because somehow in the observers of that conversation it's like you're denigrating other races and not what you're actually doing is saying no i'm just preserving the customs and traditions of this country which we have spent two thousand years building up to and it's almost now as if no 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 you can't have those anymore because we've actually got to celebrate everybody else's any visiting countrymen's um objectives and traditions and values or laws or whatever well, above our own. Well, that's and, where it's and, malicious, though, right? Is that, that, they don't right. care. It's, yeah, it doesn't matter no. what you say; it'll always be ra- race, racist, right? That's their word yes. of enforcement. So they just, they'll just yes. use, that's why we should never use it because it's their word of enforcement. Um, yes. So it doesn't matter what you do; doesn't matter how you frame it; it'll always be that, and they'll always use that because they want to destroy what is a threat to them because they're global. Yes. That's sort of a global homo. Uh, the reason why they celebrate Scottish, Irish, Welsh nationalism, because they're no threat to them. Whereas the English nationalism mm. is a large portion of the population of Great Britain, right? It's a threat yes. to them. The ethnic uh, uh, culture, fundamental culture, and our fundamental way of being is what is the alternate ruling traditional way of being that could take the place of the alien thing that's taken over in Westminster, the technocratic uh, robot machine of uh, mm. bureaucrats that run the whole thing. But yeah, sorry, go go on. I interject well, uh, I, um, I mean, the, the, 
the thing then you get all this business about how diverse we were in history and and history books plays are being rewritten children's books are being rewritten where people from different different ethnicities are suddenly in in television dramas representing that because you know they're they're great actors and so why shouldn't they be in a in a Charles Dickens novel and you think yeah but Charles Dickens novel was in Victorian times and and let's be honest you know even towards the end of the 19th century where we see photographs coming in you can see the ethnicity of the country. You can see what people look like. You can see it, uh, you know, even up to the 1940s, really, and 50s, even the 60s, basically. You can sort of see from pictures and slides, we were there. There is evidence. You can't fool me that every other person was fr somebody from somewhere else. And uh, and it's it's a nonsense. And so what I wanted to, to try and do was... Um, reclaim that Englishness, how I saw it. And obviously English, Englishness and England is such a mix, such a diverse of its own cultures and, you know, region by region, by people, by dialect, by dialect. And, uh, and you know, the thing about this set of islands, which is so lovely and, and, and interesting compared to, say, America or large continents, is the geology changes every 10 feet you know where i am it's chalk and down where um where paul is it's uh elliptic limestone and and you've got granite up there in scotland and you've got you know all this different geology and the geology therefore is represented or replicated in the buildings in the traditional building and so you've got different grades of stone and then you've got brick and and, and where did the brick come from pre-industrial revol revolution, especially in the sort of Queen Anne houses and all of that with their big uh, ponds built in front of the house, which you then realise was actually the that's where the clay was made into brick that built the house. You've got a hole, you fill it with water and you've got this beautiful, beautiful pond in front of the house and all of that with all the features. And that's what makes, to me, the architecture so fascinating and interesting in this country you don't have to go very far for it to change whereas you go to america and you you know you can drive 100 200 miles before anything you know it's pine forest pine forest more pine forest pine forest and, and then it changes to most of it it's utilitarian yeah. in its uh, design because it's all modern. yeah mm. absolutely and and of course nothing is older than 20 years and you've got all our history here so we we live in we live in this historic land and we're trying to sort with you know we people are trying to paint over it with this very very weak veneer that they're painting over it but the history is there you can't change it the people are there you can't change them it's it's so ingrained and so they're whitewashing this and saying no 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 it's not england it's british all this sort of con fake construction of it and so i wanted to say look for me i have a certain vision of what britain is i was brought up on ealing comedies and the black and white things margaret rutherford and alistair sim uh, terry thomas and all that i say old chap and so there's a certain sort of middle classy english i suppose of tea parties and picnics and and all of that now i don't have any money to speak of and i've come from humble backgrounds but that spoke to me as what what was decent and 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 um i don't know a certain type of english you if you were brought up in the coal 
uh, mining areas, it would be a much more rougher, tougher survival sort of British. But I, I can't be that. I can only be what I am. And um, and so that's that's really what I was trying to do in in that and just sort of say, look, you know, even though you can build your hideous architectural monstrosities around me, even though you want to change the the, the national diet and the type of foods that we eat and the shops and the, the shop fronts now are no longer sort of independents. They're all big conglomerates and uh, corporate and, and brands after, you know, and you go one part of England to another part and it all looks the same because it's the same sodding shops. What you can't take away is my spirit, my, my, you know, you can't take away my personality and my Englishness. So I can, I can prance around the country with a cravat and a waistcoat and a jacket and try and look, you know, the Englishness that I want to represent. And you can't get rid of that. And would and you, that was really. And would you say that that Heidegger is a philosopher, uh, a German philosopher, uh, one of the most important of the of the modern age. He talks about authentic being, that authentic being mm -hmm. survives underneath inauthentic being. And that means essentially it's, it's, there's a truth to our procedures, our way of life that are underneath the propositions, that are underneath yes. the, I, the ideas that are spread by the regime that survive this. So would you say that from your initial, that you might call it nostalgic, or I don't think it is nostalgic, I think it is inauthentic being, but some people might, when you first mm -hmm. set out on your journey to discover this, would you say that, when you went out there, you've met all these people, you've gone all over the country, that it is still there, an authentic being? Would you yes. say that from, yes. Yes, yes. These ideas oh, I, that you've I, had about it? Yeah. I mean, because the, the channel is now as successful as, as it is, I do get noticed. And, and because I probably am quite striking in the way that I dress, I sort of do stand out. If I walk down the street and you see everybody else in ordinary clothes and I'm, you know, I'm not eccentrically dressed, but I'm just mm. a little, and people often say, well, you know, they say, oh, I love your channel, blah, blah, blah. And they say, I love the fact that you're dapper. They always tell me I'm dapper. <laughs> dapper little man. <laughs> very, very endearing. Yeah. But they, but they say, you know, it's nice that you make an effort. Mm. And I say, but but that's part of my what I would say is Englishness is that, you, you know, you, in the old days when people were poor, they were still going out and cleaning the doorstep. You know, they were scrubbing. They had nothing. And yet there was a certain pride. And, you know, they still they had the Sunday best. And and for the real poor, it may have been almost rags, but it was better rags than the daily rags, if you see what I mean. And I think that we've lost a lot of that pride of 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 who we are as an individual and who we are as a people. Um, and I think that's a deliberate thing, of course, because you know all that you 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 can't now almost you can't now have that conversation over the. Um, over the garden fence with your neighbour and say, oh, I say, have you seen so-and-so down at the bingo? It's not it's not the same since they put those new doors in. Do you have trouble? You know, because all our cultural references are all different, you know, with different different nationalities living in different houses. And you, 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 you all those, the traditions, you know, what, what are you doing at Christmas? Oh, we don't celebrate Christmas. Oh, okay. I mean, it's interesting. Of course, it's interesting what other people do, but... <laughs> But it would yeah. be more interesting if I went to a, a different country because mm. I think travel is important and saw mm. people who were a cohesive society celebrating their national like Japan. Event. Yeah, like Japan. It's okay and for Japan, but it's not okay for us. It should be yeah. okay for us. But absolutely, it should. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, 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 um, it's, it's it also seems about it's about common. We had a sense of the common good and duty, which is yes. which is sort of dissolving. But I suppose you probably and, see see more of that out in the country still. Um, yes, I, th- rather than I the think cities. so. Yeah, where you, you more, do, more people you, are less multicultural, that are less divided you, against each other. Because I have a theory about that: is that when you have a, another ethnic group or a culture comes to a country, instead of acting as individuals in the mono in the monoculture, they end up competing as that uh, distributed cognition, you could call it. So mm. they actually use a group in group bias against the rest of it. So rather than w- the rest of us, who are then as individuals uh, outclassed by a group. Right. So it's you just yes. have this. It's yeah, it's just that, that's why it doesn't work. And we know even Angela Merkel said multiculturalism failed. So, yes, we co- yes. it's not just people that are right wing like you know me um, uh, clearly state that. Um, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. You see out there. In no, the country's I was, duty. I yeah. was going to say that. I mean, it, you're right about the country, although these days. The country is now. The, the place of the rich because it's expensive to live in the country. And so you go around these beautiful old villages, which were working villages. You would have had all sorts of different people rubbing shoulders with one another, different sort of tiers of society. And now you see the big fancy car, the iron gates, the, the immaculate cottage that's had all the money spent on it. So it's not run down or anything. And it's, it's a, it's a poor reflection of what the village was like, because if anybody is really talking to each other, they're all talking on some WhatsApp group, village WhatsApp group or something. Yeah. <laughs> Say, don't you think we should be doing something on the town hall and, oh, yeah. and, and all of this. And and that sort of cohesion is completely vanished. So villages now are sort of ghettos of the rich um, and, and the retired, you know, and so youngsters aren't growing up. They're not going onto the, the land and farming and, and doing that sort of work we've we've lost a lot of that and we desperately need to get back into that so that the smaller communities i mean it's very hard now to 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 you know i was listening to somebody the other day who i was interviewing and they said what well, one thing we need to do is try and build back those communities that we had well it's very difficult to do that if you're in a town of say 200,000 people all crammed in of all different nationalities and they've all got work all here there and everywhere and you think yeah, the old villages, they had that community because they all had a similar interest. They were all trying to support the farm, the squire, the landlord, a little blacksmith here and a baker here and the hairdresser down there. And, you know, you're all doing that. And then you get these 15 minute cities that are trying to sell this idea of these communities of, of the old, of which all of that is a complete and utter lie. So it's so difficult to recreate what we've got. But the countryside, and then you've got the farming problem in the countryside of monoculture, very small number of people working mostly by um, hedge-funded companies who own the farms now, apart from, you know, there's few surviving family-run farms. But, you know, you go to East Anglia or somewhere like that, and it's just like, in this sort of time would be spring barley, spring barley, spring barley. (laughs) It's like, Mm. and no wildlife because that's all, there's nowhere. No hedgerows, all torn up. Yeah. All all of that and, and Mm. pesticides and, and all that. The soil is just dreadful. And, you know, and of course now all of that's under threat because uh, the likes of the WEF and the WHO want to get rid of 
animal farming and and all of this and you just go this is this is ridiculous this is and the, the 15 minute city thing is actually a complete if they're trying to make that seem as if that's how we used to live it's not true the uh the poor were very mobile they moved around mm. a lot actually they traveled more than the rich uh this yeah. is in a book called the westward move by uh oh, right. virginia westward move he talks about that uh he, this chap uh did also seed of albion where he actually did a better uh, regional history of um, England, um, being an American, trying to track where it went in America. But we, we right. were, we've, ne we've never been so good at our regional history. We've got a few mm. books, but they've never been really, oh, here's what Wessex is like. Here's what Essex is like. Here's what the Borderlands are like, like he's done. Um, right. He talks about this, is that the poor were very mobile, 100 kilometers a day. They, 100 miles a day, they could they could walk, um, going to different places. They were already doing the frontier move, looking for opportunity around uh, very yeah. early on, right? So this 15-minute city thing is actually more slavery than people even realize in terms of keeping yes. people in a local area. It's not returning to some sort of immobile way of life well, you, that we used to have. You, you'd mm. think if you wanted to have people in a 15-minute city, you would put... The incentives to be there, you'd have all, you know, more creches, more schools, more open fields and playgrounds and allotments. You'd, you'd give every instead of putting we're going to put cameras up and every time you move your vehicle, we're going to yeah. fine you. We're going to uh, beat you t into that city. That's not the way to encourage people to stay and be cohesive and, and enjoy yeah. their area. It, that is, you know, it, it's like. Your, whoever is your psychological advisor, you've got this wrong. Because people well, that's are going the, to rally against it. And this is why it's malicious. And we need to yes. get this, keep hitting this home is that people say, oh, they're incompetent. They're, no, they're malicious. They don't care about yes. you. They don't care about the native people. They want you gone because if you're gone, then they've got more power over everyone because it's just divided individuals. Yes. The greatest threat to them is what I call the overking of England, which is the sort of distributed cognition between all of us that makes up the ideal patterns of behavior of our greatest heroes of, of the Englishman. That is what drives you to value something. That's what drove you us to vote Brexit is that mm. we had a certain way of being that was promoted saying we want sovereignty. That's part of the English way of being to it's called yes. alter imperium from, yes. from uh, Richard the first onwards. Richard the first said, uh, I am an empire in myself. I don't need to uh, do what you say. Holy Roman em emperor. Right. And this passed to all Englishmen uh, in the hundred years war. When you had the yeoman, every able-bodied man in England fighting with a longbow, taken over to fight in the Hundred Years' War, imitating the king, right? Yes. He has yes. this in his being and says, no, we need a personal sovereignty. We can't have an overseas pope or a EU doing it, right? So they want that gone because it's a threat. They now know it's a threat. So we really, I think people like us and you have a responsibility to make you understand, no, no. They hate you. The ruling class yeah. hate you and they want you gone and the ethnic group gone. So it's not a threat to them. But also, too, I think we have to be a bit worried about being recaptured after after people have been recently red pilled like yourself, being sort of recaptured by a sort of centristy because uh, the intellectual dark web sort of play both sides. And I noticed you were talking about that recently with a few guys. And what some of our guys are realizing is that. A lot of these guys, really, they will just want to grow their audience and then they're happy to just sort of go to the regime. They're not like Paul, who, you know, Paul Watson will stick with it mm. and say, no, truth, truth. These sort of Brett Weinsteins, these Eric Weinsteins, even Peterson to a degree. And so what I want to recommend, and, and I hopefully you, you'll, you do this, uh, is people follow 
a guy called Aura McIntyre. He has a show on the Blaze TV. You know Blaze? Blaze TV yeah. in America? You should follow him because he keeps an eye on those IDW types, right? We don't want... What's his name? Auron, A-U-R-O-N, McIntyre. Yeah. McIntyre. Follow him on Twitter. Um, and he's got a YouTube... And, and follow him on... And watch him on YouTube. He keeps an eye on the IDW types because a lot of them are recapturing it. So sort of managed opposition so the regime can then recontrol it. And so Paul doesn't do, Paul's on stuck on the truth on our side, right? But I just have a feeling that they, not even I just, Auron is constantly sort of exposing that uh, there to make sure that doesn't happen. So yeah, follow him. Um, and mm. uh, I, I always recommend him to people because I think, yeah, when people get destabilized, it's very easy to be, have, be sucked in by uh, groups that uh, have their own interests rather than people who don't care about the wealth or the fame that just always did their duty, always were just trying to do their thing. Like Paul, for instance, he's always just doing mm. his thing, right? Mm. He can't be, he'll never cut because you just can't get to him. He's done that for 20 years, right? Um, putting yes. himself at risk. But these other people, yeah, yeah, they sort of after different things. But anyway, that's guy that's worth following. Um, and anyone on my channel, if, if you haven't followed him already. Yeah, we have a responsibility to make sure recently red, pe red pill people uh, don't get recaptured by malicious forces in the regime that are in control of the regime. Basically, that's what I wanted to say there. Mm. No, it's it's interesting you say that because um, I can I can see how somebody said to me somebody said to me once a, the channel started to grow he says oh Richard there's a lot of money to be made in conspiracies and I thought but that's not what I'm doing <laughs> that's not what I'm doing this for I said the money actually is irrelevant really because. I set off the channel having paid my mortgage in my little two up, two down. That's not what it's about. Uh, for me, my three children, who are now in their late 20s and early 30s, they all took the jab. I didn't. My girlfriend didn't. I pleaded with them not to. They told me, Dad, you're an idiot. You're just a, a conspiracy nut. I don't care that they said that. But I've also got grandchildren. I get up and do my show because I don't want them to die. Uh, and that's it. That's the bottom line for me. I don't want them to die. So people often say to me, Richard, you're very brave for doing it. I'm not brave. I just sit in front of a camera and give my point of view. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. People can disagree with me. I don't really care. But I do this because my kids and my grandchildren and other children and other people and the stories I've heard from people who've been affected by this. This is why I do it. The, the numbers really are irrelevant other than the fact that the more people you can reach, the, the better it is. And But I can see how easy it could be to be seduced and, and just keep people slightly frightened all the time and go, oh, look, I've seen this and this is just to keep the 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 in the ranking and grow the channel. And and I can see how easy you could be seduced into doing that. Um, I'm not I'm not interested in that because I, I fell into this and this is now just for something for me. I feel is a duty to do. And I, I'm also on the journey myself. I'm learning more about spiritualism. I'm learning about the health of the nation and how important food is and the crap that we're being put, the stuff in the atmosphere, all these sort of things 
So I'm still in that early learning stage in which I'm learning and trying to share. I'm trying to sort of reach and try and persuade people to. I'm not really telling them what to do. I just want them to think and ask questions. Why is it like this? I, I mean, I I think personally, we're going to go through some bad times, and then things are going to be okay. I think we're gonna we're going to be okay. And I want to give optimism. I so. Well, I think yeah. we. I no, think I do. I charge I mean, people. I constantly. My whole channel is about uh, morale and charging people with energy and vitalism. Yes. So I'm, I'm with we, you on, it, on that. Yeah, um, because I mean, we, I see. We're going to win. We're going to win. It's just a matter of how long it'll take. Or yes, you know, I'm not. Say, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but because yeah. this, these things have taken years to to yeah. come to fruition. But yeah. I think what a time. A what a time to be alive for mm. one thing. You well, know, Churchill what, said that he said he said specifically that is that people think this is a bad time, but isn't it great? Fu great finally that we have a duty to live up to. Yes, we have something yes. To, to, that is fundamentally meaningful, and that's what I've found. That's much more rewarding because I worked in Hollywood. I did that right, so I've worked for the machine and the degenerates. And for me, the most rewarding thing was making the decision to put the career on uh, complete risk to say I'm just going to talk about what I believe in. Um, mm. And ever since then, it's been a really meaningful drive towards the truth of, or personally, English or Anglo-Saxon being for me. Um, but even, you know, the, the, the truth of our fundamental traditional, basically. Um, so yeah. I, I, that's, uh, it's just a reason to get up every day. And so we're, we're lucky. And everyone can actually participate in that and go to conferences. And you're about to speak at a conference, actually, aren't you? I am. Um, yes. So well, maybe you... I'm... Yes, I mean, through the channel... I've interviewed some just amazing people, mm. people who if I if I wasn't as naive about all of this, I probably would have. Well, I was going to say more respectful, but I just treated them as ordinary people. But if I had known really how important they were, I probably wouldn't have treated them. <laughs> you, you know, I would have had a more of a um, what would you say? Uh, uh, I think a, <laughs> I think you your ways your ways better. If you ask me, <laughs> I think you're, you know, because they are just people I, that. You know. Well, this is it. I mean, this is it. But you, you know yeah. what I mean. Is when yeah, you, yeah. when you, you haven't sort of learned that this professor should be addressed in a certain way or yeah, yeah. Uh, ad admired in a because that's how they're used to. And I'm just going, oh, do you mind if I call you such and such? Right, we'll just get into the, you know, and you just do yeah. it, um, because I, I just treating people with respect, hopefully, and. and and it seems to work and people have enjoyed it and, and all of that. But I've spoken to all these amazing people. And then Dr. Tess Laurie said, would you run a panel on the, mm. the Better Way conference? Now, mm. she, she runs the uh, the Council for World Health, who I'd never heard of before doing all of this. And you sort of go, oh, that's been going on for a while. And these are these are amazing people who are doing amazing things mm. all around the world. And they've all come together. And, you know, and I realize that I acknowledge I'm a complete novice in this era and I'm interviewing. And then she suddenly said, can you run a, a council? Because you're quite um, you've got a certain energy level and, you know, you'll hold it together and what have you. And I said, sure, because mm. I've done the corporate entertaining and game shows and things like that. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, bring on the, mm. and all of this sort of, you know, all that nonsense. Mm. So I thought, yes, I, as long as I don't I'm not being there at, for my expertise because I don't have any. And I'm happy to laugh at myself and be um, 
self-denigrating and things. I, I said, yeah, I'll do that because if you give me a panel and I'm just managing the panel, you've got Andrew Bridgen over this mm. side, William Keat on this side, and I think Mark Devlin's on it and, and a few others, you know, and, and, and he's just going, so so what's, uh, what's your, you know, again, that imposter syndrome comes in, but yeah. at least I'll make it entertaining. I'll do my best anyway. And what can they do? They can throw me out at the end, <laughs> aren't they? That's right. You know? None of it matters. That's what Trump it, used to say to himself on interviews. Is, ah, it doesn't matter. 400 million people died in India in an earthquake yesterday. <laughs> and none of these media things really matter, right? And that gets rid exactly. of the tension. Attention. Yeah. It. But um, another, you mentioned spiritualism. Another guy I recommend is Jay Dyer, D-Y-E-R. Paul knows him. He knows Paul. They've both done InfoWars stuff. He's very Jay. not... He's a J-D-Y-E-R. Oh, Jay Dyer. Okay, yeah. Dyer. Subscribe to his YouTube. Um, he is very, he's a, basically a philosopher uh, and uh, knows all the regime's tricks, essentially. So another one I definitely recommend. Um, but for you, you mentioned some theater stuff there. So how, maybe you can talk a bit about some of your routines and practices that help you, that give you a sense of vitality, that help you get up in the morning, but also perhaps some practices that you learn in theater that, that perhaps young men might want to go. I personally recommend improv to uh, men to go yes. do as a really great practice. You probably have done that before. I imagine being in. I love, but... I love improvisation. Absolutely. Mm. And the mm. whole, the whole basis of that is, is to say yes, isn't it? It's you accept whatever yes, is given and, to you. Yes, and yeah. You never yes, you never block. You never block, and uh, mm. and you just go with it. And so that is such amazing training, uh, mm. because when you're on the spot, you know you you've got your set idea and you're going through, it and somebody says something, and and unless you've got that in you, you mm. know you very often say no, no, stop there. I, I've got to get this out. But you accept it and you go go on and never what yeah, and you have a banter and all of this, and mm. and I love that. I went to mime school for a year, right. you know, yeah. the old, all of that, <laughs> um, with a with an amazing chap called Desmond Jones, and I loved it. I did the he had he does a beginners course and he does a an a, an advanced course, and I loved it so much. I did the beginners course twice, which is a three month course, and then the advanced course is another. So I did three lots of three months, and uh, because and now that to me. I did that in my mid twenties. To me, that has taught me how to move. Uh, it's kept me supple, um, and it's, it's. I was into filmmaking very much, and it's it's very similar to filmmaking because mm. it's about attention, where commanding the, where the audience looks, and a yeah. filmmaker has has the luxury of cutting in and cutting out and doing wide frames. If you're just as as Desmond Jones would say, a naked man on a naked stage, you need to get the attention to whatever it is. And so you learn isolation in the body and you could draw the attention by making it the only thing that moves mm. and everything is, is relatively still. And you can take that attention and, and, and all of this, which I found the whole psychology of that, the, the physicality yeah, of that yeah. was also very good. And we used to do these exercises. We used to do the wow exercise. And that was just being on stage and just wowing to an audience. Mm. So you couldn't just cut. You had to command the stage yeah. and be and be there. Mm. And, and, and by being there, you're it's, it's hard to put it into words, really, because you're you're there and the audience are transfixed by you, hopefully, because mm. it's the energy. You couldn't just come get there and just 
stand, you know. Mm. And that's you would see the wheat and the chaff, you know, people who would go, Wow. Mm, mm. <laughs> you go, yeah, you're really there, aren't you, mate? It's, and it's, others it's, that would fully that it, idea of you see so much, it sounds like it's teaching you the fully committing. Because you know when people try and make jokes, they are they either put on a persona and it's yes. a kind of fake energy. Yes. There's an authentic, um, fully committing that is hilarious when you overreact yes. on purpose, but it's it's authentic uh, emotion projected hard. Yes. Right. You, yes. you know, it's it's um, when it's done properly. Yeah, it's it's uh, it holds the the attention. And and some people just have it. You know, they they're mm. aware they're being looked at and and suddenly they are on. Mm. You know, there there's the there's that moment when you're on and mm. and then you're, you're not on. So we would mm. do lots of this sort of physical theater stuff that you wouldn't necessarily associate with white face stripy t-shirt you know the sort of marcel marceau mime nonsense we we did a lot of that now i found that extremely useful all the way through my life mm. and it's very hard to sort of so you know you can walk into a room and be confident even though you're not mm. confident about the way you could just come into that room and and not be noticed for being the one that shuffled in put it like yeah, that yeah, you know you could yeah. still hide away if you weren't if you were a bit shy of things um so so all that sort of stuff i find just in life mm. very 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 useful um and i i you were saying you sort of routines for myself i talk to i live on my own apart from when my girlfriend's here so i talk to myself a hell of a lot mm. i read out loud a lot i love mm. reading out loud Mm. I just I just love, and I love books so I've got loads of books downstairs and I just and any book I will find interesting when I read it out loud often yeah. if I'm trying to read to myself it could be so boring because there's the certain element of theater in there mm. um and so also, I think and it you helps probably, you learn as well I think there's something to do with that that when you actually because the the words were always spoken to begin with. That's the logos. It's the it's mm. the wording of things. It's it became it was that first. It was projected. It's really the true word is between two people, right? So to speak yes. it probably adds to. I've done the same thing, but I don't always. I'll, I won't always read out loud, certainly. But um, doing it does add something um, to it. It slows it, you down. It slows yeah. you down for one thing. You know, you because if I read quietly, and I do read to myself, but. I often am reading very fast. I'm not really taking it all in. I'm skipping a bit, but but going. Oh, what was that? What was that about? Yeah, that's true. You'll just go past. You know, yeah. and you go. Hang on, I'll read reread that again. But if I read it out loud, I'm aware of the the nature of the words and the phraseology mm. and the color of the words and how to. Because mm. uh, I used to. I mean, I grew up listening to Radio Four. My mum had Radio 4. I grew up listening and I love the stories. I don't listen to it now because there's a load of bloody bias. Yes, I can't. Propaganda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't well, stick it, which is mm. which is such mm. a shame. But because you would mm. hear, you know, a story being read and, and you know, you would just hear the cadence and you, they'd use obviously proper actors and people would read it very well. And then you, you get a book from, say, somebody would send you something from Amazon or somewhere and it would just be, you know, just so dull. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. But it's, yeah. it is so difficult yeah. to hear it. Um, and so, and I read to my girlfriend and she reads to me. And so we're, when we're cooking, one of us might be cooking with the raw ingredients and then one will be reading to the other. And it's, mm. it's just, it's just, 
it's connection again it's that connection mm. because we live in a world where we've got this people are listening mm. to us now when they could be probably talking to their loved ones mm. or their children which hopefully are also their loved ones um you know we we <laughs> yeah. we, we live in this world where we're we're letting other people do the entertaining yes and, they're living and, your and that was never supposed to be this way the, this idea that it's projected into your living room no that's a centralized communication we we are around the campfire uh, telling yes. stories to each other. And I do the same thing. I'll sit in my, when I could be with family, and I'm just sitting on my own watching, so why am I watching this TV series when I could be yes. with them? I'll look back on my life thinking, well, I should have just spent the time with them. Can I not get control yeah. of my bloody attention so yeah. I can n need the dopamine so much? I can just sit with them if they're willing, you know? It's just so... And, and, I'm, and I'm quite good at that, not to get wrapped up in it, but I still do, even though I know that, yeah. so... It's hard. <laughs> you know? do you, have you been camping? Do you go camping? No, but I have been camping. But when I was younger, I should, right? Uh, Tell us about no, it. So, so um, mm -hmm. I've got a van. It's just a transit van, which I converted. So we can go off, Julia and I can go off in the, into the countryside, just get away from everything. And one day we, we, we were looking for something, because we do a bit of wild camping, we just park up discreetly and, you know, sit in the van, cook something to eat and, and all of that. And one time we would we thought we would we couldn't find anywhere suitable and we wanted to get some water and various things. So we thought we'll just go to a campsite. So we went to a campsite and as we'd set up, it was it was sort of dusk and I was looking. There was caravans and there were tents and there were people with fire pits and there were kids running around. And I started to think, this is really interesting because mm -hmm. turn those camps, those caravans and those tents and make them into little thatched wooden roundhouses. Mm. And you are basically back in the Neolithic times or in the in the Iron Age with the hill fort, people outside mm. doing stuff, round little fires, cooking, talking, mm. interacting. Mm. And I thought, you know, the modern campsite is basically that, mm. albeit temporary, and people go off and they you know, it's not for everybody because a lot of people don't like that sort of thing. But there's something very earthy and very visceral about yeah. cooking outside and and being with and no televisions, no screens, no modern phones. Mm. You're you're meeting people in and just, you know, do you mind if I borrow some water? I've just run out and I can't be. But yeah, no. Are you going mm. down to the sun? Can I help you with you know all of that? And I just thought mm. we don't have that anymore. Mm. We're in, and you know, that's the thing. We're being pushed into these 15 minute seaters and mm. bigger, you know, bigger and bigger televisions that people have, cinema at home. You're not even going, you're not even lining up to get into the mm. old ABC. I mean, you know, and maybe and that's that not, we need just, yeah, I was just going to say that maybe we need to see it as a practice that must be like a virtue is. A virtue is a habitual engine that builds up in you and you become virtuous in something perhaps when you yeah. see camping now as a practice we need to build up and regularly yes. do on a monthly basis like we would any other virtuous practice because now it's yes. no longer part of our lives and it should be something that no that's a particular thing that is good for being to be habituated because people don't see yes. camping like that they just see it as a recreation but it, maybe it mm. should be seen as a practice yeah, as well. It is because you because you, you're meeting mm. people you just don't know from mm. all you know from from traditionally I suppose going back to the sort of the English thing you'd meet you'd mm. meet people from up north 
and you people <laughs> from down there in the West Country who are yeah. uh, and, and all you just meet and you'd rub shoulders from different parts of the country for a week or two weeks whilst you're there and you'd sort of have a conversation you'll share you know what's your address oh, I will write to you. I really will <laughs> no no that's not going to happen yeah. um, and, and it, it, there was just there's just something rather magical about that whereas now as you say people you know you get these sort of glamping where people go with far too much modern yeah. stuff and, and you go you, you may as well just do an airbnb which mm. is lovely and then don't get me wrong airbnbs are fantastic you go and you, in people's different houses and different ways of doing things it's wonderful but it's that that sense of community mm. and seeing you know seeing in the early in the morning there you are in your dressing gown you, you just nipping over to the toilet hut and and there's somebody else as a like, oh look at him. <laughs> oh my god, look at what he's wearing. I can't believe it. Mm. You know, there's it's just life, isn't it? And mm. and I think the 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 English do that in its own inimitable and very charming and very silly way. Mm. And you know, it's very carry-on sort of thing. It's that element of the past that we still we can still do and get away with without mm. too much worry. Uh, yeah, there's I, certainly I an acceptance great. of the eccentric. Um, yes. And even if it's uh, a practice uh, in a way, that is just, there's a more an acceptableness of that, that sort of hobbiness. It's the amateurishness, I think, yes. is another thing yes. that is very English. It's um, not commercial. That's right. You know, yeah. it's not, you, you've got for your its own sake. It's not for, it's not utilitarian. It's for its no. own sake which is yes. a big deal. It's like beauty. Beauty's for its own sake. This hobby yes. or this thing is just done for its own sake, its own value. Yes. And mm. the more it is commercialized, the more the plastic hoardings come in and professional mm. printing, it yeah. loses its it loses its essence. It loses the yes. spirit of it. And, yeah, I, said and this, I said this recently about tweed, is that people start wearing this utilitarian wear everywhere, the North Face, right? This yes. silly utilitarian way. Yes. Well, tweed comes from the land. It's from the very yes. being of the land. There's this an is essence a tweed in it. jacket. That's right. This... And so is mine. It, it's it, yeah. It's Harris tweed. Harris tweed, right? That has tweed. the essence of the very land in it. It's made from the land. Yes. It's usually a if it's a border tweed, it's the the river tweed rolls past yes. a mill that spins the thing that moves the automatic uh, weaver, right? So the very yes. landscape and the very idea of the person who first designed it, it's matched the Cheviot sheep. The wool is bred on the borderlands. It's made for that cold weather. So it yes. evolved there. It's meant for the place, right? And and also the way of being of the first people that used it, the country people, it suited their way of being. And so mm. there's a difference between that. And the, and this people don't get it. The Englishness is still there. You're wearing it right now, right? You probably didn't. Yeah. You may not even realize how deeply traditional. I did a video on this, how deeply traditional tweed really is and how its essence really does go back to the land. Um, it's there when you look for it. If we don't notice it and articulate it, people will all start wearing this North Face utilitarian wear until they mm. realize something's missing. They'll look around. They see no one no longer wear, wearing this stuff. And there's something yeah. will be that essence is gone. The, the ground of its being. That's that when something, the countryside, the structures, the buildings, when you wait long enough and you let your inner worldly concerns go away. And you've done this, I'm sure, in the countryside. You mm. get, and you just, and you, you know, it's that golden thread. You just get a feeling for where you are, the campsite, wherever it is, when everything's quietened down, yeah, that's when you sense its essence. Forest. Yeah. yeah. No. Or a place. Or, or, when it's quiet, and, and we'll lose that. If you lose the structures, you lose the history, you won't get that thing you detect that this 
this the being of it it's a real mm. thing it's not just idealism it's it's a real thing that's still there yeah no, absolutely yeah mm. that that's right that's right and you you, you you it's so difficult to put your finger on it mm. you know that's, that's why you know, sometimes you're trying to explain it to people and 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 of course if you're not from this country and you're here and you're calling yourself british you you know you, you sometimes people don't as you say but they don't get it they don't understand mm. what it is and it comes out like like um like a sucker from a, a tree mm. that can pop out over here and over here it will yes. come out in different ways yeah uh, but it's all from the same underneath root and the, the yes mitochondria of yeah, that, mitochondrial you know, network. Yes, well, that's yeah. the, the philosopher Sheila called this the order amoris, which is the it's the order of love, essential the order of the value hierarchy. The value right. hierarchy is in the very landscape, but it's also in you. So when yes. you sense that tendril that comes out, that's something that grabs you from that objective value hierarchy. But it's, at the same time, it matches. So the values that's, in you, as the Englishman, touch and they go thump like that, and you notice yeah. it, and you go, "What is that?" There's something here yeah. that's drawing me. That's yeah. there. It still exists, right? You yes. and that proves it to me because the way you are articulating it with those metaphors is exactly the structure of how the philosophers <laughs> talk about it. So, it's yeah. so you yeah. get it fundamentally. You get what's really going yeah. on. Yeah, um, and it, because you and, feel and it, it, don't you? Sorry, go. Yeah, you, well, no, exactly. You're you're, <clears throat> you're 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 saying exactly what I want to say. Really, you, mm. you know, you feel it. It's so intense. Mm. And and but it's bizarre that you that others don't get it. They're, they they mm. feel like they're visitors. Their feet aren't really connected to the ground. They're just floating around you. They're not here. You know, my son, my eldest son, who who mm. he is part of me, and yet I don't feel he's yet connected with this country. He 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 wanted to be. He proudly said, "Oh, I'm I'm a digital nomad," and mm. and you're going. Oh my God, See, what does that mean? That's... This is so interesting though. This is where this inauthentic and authentic being comes there. He's actually got the authentic being underneath, right? What happens mm. is we get possessed by what Heidegger calls the they or das man, mm. which is a sort of uh, propositional network of ideas that get transmitted to us in state school and that sort of thing. But underneath though, if you break out of that and you can use meditation and practices like that to break down this... Uh, objective way of seeing the world, like everything's material. You can break that down with, uh, yeah, various different, various uh, stoic practices you can use to break that down. So, and to see it. And when you do get that inner worldly, churches help with this too. When you go to an Orthodox church or something, they have, they're going into a church is an ontological uh, way into the sacred, right? So you, you light your candle. It's taking your, there's three different chambers to a church, right? So you, when you approach it, you've got all your normal concerns. I've got to pick up the milk, this or that, utilitarian concerns. You open yes. the first door, you start seeing icons. They lift you with beauty. They lift you out of your normal everyday. You light a candle. That's the first little practice you do. It's symbolic practice. Then you get to the next chamber and you start hearing the music, right? So it's slowly breaking down this inauthentic being to get you to the sacred. It's the same with England. Right. Mm. You you probably you probably do it without realizing it when you go on your walks, you prepare, you leave your house, right? You break yes. down the you start breaking it away. And then he would see it too if he could, I don't know, if he if he can look at the right philosophers or get the right practices, he will see it. It's definitely there. He still is authentically an Englishman underneath. Yes. It's just about breaking away that. 
yes. inauthenticity no, I, I, that we all have. It's not that it's, we don't have it too. We well, sorry, go jump in. Yeah. Well, I was I was going to say it's that it's. I mean, one of the things I find with 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 Englishness in in my sort of version of Englishness is the paraphernalia that goes with all mm. these things. We all so so preparing for a walk with the, with the walking boots and the extra socks mm. and you know all of that. And if you want to put spats on and things, you know the uh, you get into this whole eccentricity of the of the Englishness that that was all just part of country life. That has been sort of turned down and commodified, so that uh, places like Blacks will sell you all of this, all of this stuff that people are buying because they think they ought to have it, and it, <laughs> yeah. and it looks and it's a, a sort of a pseudo. Th- I mean, it's yeah. like with the sports people who wear, you know, the most unfit people will wear all this sportswear, yeah, wear, and you yeah. think, what's this all about? Uh, <laughs> you don't need that to support your team. But but going back, I mean, I, I wish that smoking a pipe was not bad for you. Because mm. the notion of of the the preparing of the pipe and packing mm. down the tobacco and having a little stainless steel uh, tamper thing and lighting it with the matches and it going mm. out and lighting it again, you know that whole thing. And then the sm- it's just when you see it in the old films, you know Leslie Howard's mm. st- there was smoking a pipe or something, and as um, Pimpernel Smith in in uh, well in as Tolkien, Horatio C.S. Lewis, a big yeah, or uh, or any of these smoke, things. Yeah. Beautiful, lit, beautifully lit, and you just, oh, it's, it's, you know, nobody else could do it that way. The English, and there's this sort of paraphernalia mm. of bits and bobs that we, the cups of tea, for example, you know, an English mm. tea and the cucumber sandwiches and the mm. and the tea set that's all matching and uh, and and everything. It's 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 that sort of rigmarole, which mm. I I absolutely adore because, and again, we've 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 streamlined everything. Where it's just a tea bag in a cup, or yeah. it's you know it's somebody else makes the coffee for us and grinds all the stuff. We no longer yeah. do all of that ourselves. To the point that during the lockdown, you know, you go, oh, I need a cup of coffee. You get on your, you know, tech little app here, press that, and someone's come to the door and made it for yeah. you. <laughs> An immigrant or something usually. And, right. and yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's like, my goodness, we've we're we are. We are farming out all these, all these things that we are we should be responsible for and the enjoyment mm. of, to either yes, yes other organisations or machines. Mm. I I um I used to know a lady in in Shropshire mm. in Shrewsbury, and I have relation had a relationship with her. And when I first met her, she, she lived on her own in a in a, mm. a lovely uh, two up two down. Um, Victorian house, beautiful house, and in and we, she cooked me a lovely meal. We're sitting in the kitchen having a beautiful conversation, and then she said, "Oh, I started to collect the dishes to wash them up." And she said, "Oh, just stick them in the dishwasher." And I said, "Oh, you've got a dishwasher?" <laughs> I said, "You live on your own, don't you? Just wash the dishes. You know, it's like five minutes." Uh, to do it she, she said no just shove them in there and then we can sit down in the other room and watch the telly and I said no let me wash them up so she said oh, if you want to we washed them up we carried on talking yes and then we spent the rest of the evening in the kitchen and we didn't go and watch the television and I yeah. instigated that routine so that in the end our whole relationship the television was was not going to interfere because we had the amazing conversations mm. and the, the washing up just gave us the um 
it gave us something to do. Yes. It wasn't a it wasn't a hassle. It wasn't mm. a, a a chore. It was mm. it was just it, I would be standing up, she would be mm. sitting down and and you know it and I kept busy and we would have these wonderful conversations sharing ideas. It was just magical and again another thing so that paraphernalia of just everyday life again it's like yeah shove it in the machine so you can get in front of the television much quicker mm. and and, yeah. and what spending time you, to waste time right it's it's yeah. the thing about that is all these practices had functions and i talk about this a lot i'm constantly searching for this implicit functions that we didn't realize that were for the betterment of our being mm. and plenty of traditional which I call psychotechnologies, stories we used to tell had implicit uh, functions that, that made us who we are, that actually made the society function that we need to look back to now and say, what did that yes. used to actually do? We thought it was yeah. just tobacco. We thought it was just a pipe. But the, actually, mm. that practice, you, uh, you could call that thinking aside. That helps by association, which is uh, lateral thinking, right? There's a reason why C.S. Lewis and Tolkien smoked them, because when you're doing the paraphernalia of the pipe and and even when you're smoking, and I smoke cigars occasionally, so I understand this too. When you have something with, when you're moving your hands, it, the flow of ideas just moves much better. The conversation, it's just, you're not too focused on the person enough for yes. it to be, yeah, this is a, there's an alternate function or implicit function these things have that are so important that we've um, lost. So you've really brought up something that I think about a lot and it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, and, 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 that's the thing, isn't it? We've streamlined our lives to make, as mm. as you said, then it's so easy. But what are we doing with it? We we mm. then suddenly plop ourselves down, and somebody else is living our life on a screen. Yeah. And 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 but we're of a we're. I don't know how old you are, but um, you look very young and and um. I'm millennial. So. Oh okay. I'm two well, generations from you're a boomer, right? So two generations. Yeah, prob from you. probably. Yeah, yeah, probably for my sins. But so I <laughs> no, so, yeah, well. so but you're you're I would say you're on the edge of this and I'm I'm well in this but I've got mm. one leg one foot in the analog world and one mm. foot in the digital world and and so I bridge both of them and I can look back to you know sitting there with a typewriter and actually typing letters and typing plays they used to write plays and and things like that with tipex and all of this mm. the, the old way and and editing my videos not videos of course they were films i would edit my mm. films and they were visceral things you'd mile. hang them up on yeah. yeah on the on a trim bill and on a trim bin and and all of this and i i feel like this is the uh, the way things are going this is what the last of the generation of those people who who have embraced both and the digital world you see all the advantages of how quickly you can edit and how efficiently you can do it and how easy it is to get copies of things and how you don't have to go down to the library to look something up and how how marvelous it is that you know you can make so many calls a mobile phone and the, the technology beyond that instead of having an old dial up like you used to do so i can see all of that but at the same time you see all the other the flip side of all that all the the mm. id digital IDs, the way it can be manipulated for, for not very good. And I often think, well, in this situation, in order for them not to control us quite so fast and efficiently that they want to, if we all threw these things away, mm. if we, we chucked away our laptops, they couldn't bring in digital bank systems mm. because we would still have to use money. But it's that thing about there's stuff in the analog world yes. that we we must hang on to yes 
And 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 I think you said it. We've got to refine some of these things, and we've got mm. to embrace both worlds because you can't go back. You know, when yes, whenever I talk of this, adapt the technology, yeah. for our needs, and, yeah. And we're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. But exactly, we're we're having a fantastic we conversation. We have to it's very. Mm. But yes, and we couldn't have done that. We couldn't have done done that. So we were embracing this conversation, and I feel mm. you're in the room because we're we're mm. both got a sort of a vibe going, which is really nice, mm. and we're enjoying it. And so we're embracing that technology. So it's enhanced our lives tonight mm. at the moment as we're doing this. Um, but at the same time, if we had this conversation in a good old traditional English pub oh, with our feet, yeah. like, you know, yeah. uh, it would be just that much better because mm. we yes. would be breaking the conversation and say oh i'll just go and get what would you like yeah, to drink yeah, yeah. i've got to go to the loo you know i must go, go and get a breath of fresh air for us or shall mm. we just walk around the pond you know mm. the the and you would keep that conversation going but you're you know i wouldn't be sitting here with lights around me mm. in my, <laughs> yes. my little yeah. studio yeah, you know yeah. and all of that also the just, people interrupt you as well and I think yeah. a, a great quote is um, it's it's the it's the gaps between things where freedom lies. It's the they want yes. to close the gap of freedom, which is if you don't have something that makes something hard. And Tolkien talked about this, too, is that the technology is, is the is the false deus ex machina. It's the ghost of the machine. It's the it's the false uh, ease where it's mm. the hardness that gives us time to. Uh, make the decisions they're closing the decision space until it's instantaneous then there is no more subject there's no more yes. openness yes. being there's no more human there's just animal and, that has no decision space and that's what's happening it's going like this so we need that's to what, be the radicals that pull it apart and make sure we've got enough decision space sorry jump in and, and well, i was just going to jump in and say that's where ai comes in mm. you know where where now, you know, at one time you could look things up where AI will be looking them up before you even know you need it. Mm. You know, you can imagine that they'll be on the screen and you're you're talking about something and it knows you don't know that subject. Bing, and up comes a little reference mm. to it and it's like, and, and all of this, and it'll just speed up those gaps. Yeah, no, I I love that analogy. That is, that's, you know, it's, it's, Sometimes just having a conversation is you're reminded of the things that you know, but you'd forgotten you knew them. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I really think um, that there, there's a there's an intelligence that grows between two people in a dialogue. It becomes a we space. There's a distributed mm. cognition between us right now, reaching across time, across <laughs> you know, a long distances right now, which creates a a dual intellect where we yes. couldn't have had. We can't have the same power uh, that we do have talking and dialogue. As long as they're both, you're both open, and I think we are here. That's why we're both yes, yes. firing. Um, if it's not a dialectic, it's a dialogue. A dialogue's a dual opening. A dialectic is you both just give a lecture. That's like a boring right. interview. But we're right. doing this. We're going back and forth, right? So it's open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're more intelligent because of it. We're a distributed cognition. Um, yeah, it, it's important to actually articulate that for the audience because people don't realize there's a big difference between that pub conversation where you're both open, you're both learning, and that and that sort of uh, wooden blah 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 blah, right? And that's what we have and what we can use. We already have an AI, basically, and it's between you and I. Civilization yes. is an AI. People need to recognize that it's more powerful at the moment, anyway, than uh, it that language model system is. And we also must remember that it doesn't think. It's like a pattern recognition system. So it just gives you what tells you what you want to hear. It goes and looks for it. Essentially, it's a language model. 
So it's not a subject. It doesn't have a, you know, it's not, it doesn't have a uh, consciousness or anything like that. If you leave it on its own, it just drifts off into weird directions. It's got no uh, mm. guiding principle or anything. It just, it'll just go off into a complete weird thing. It's a, it's a language model. Yes, it's course. It's a great machine. It's going to change the world. That's 100%. It's gonna, we're going to see some radical things. So we do, you and I, and you as well, do need to pay attention and, and use, the, use it. Use it. Use it. Test it. See how it can help because we do need to exact it to make sure that we don't get overrun by malicious regime and that sort of thing. But yeah, mm. what do you think of that? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm slightly nervous of it, to be honest. I mean, I haven't used that chat GPT yet. Um, I just, I, I, it is, it's almost like embracing, it is embracing the devil in, in some way. So I am yeah. somewhat, I'm somewhat reserved and, and maybe, maybe, um, that's a domain that my son could take me on that journey it's like hold hold your dad's hand and, and lead <laughs> me into into the cave yeah. and and protect me uh because you know because because again i come from that age where my dad would ring me up and say uh richard could you could you just come over and program the vcr i can't quite get you know i want to there's this program on bbc2 i want mm. to record it because i'm watching something on and it's like, oh, dad, I've t I've shown you this so many times. It's so simple. And now, th and this, that's the other thing that is a weird thing for, I think, humanity at this moment in time. I'm not so sure about my son being 30 and, and maybe even where you are. My dad lived to 83. He died of dementia about five years ago and he had two years of dementia, but he his life spanned 83 years. He was born in the 30s. And I often think he saw in his life mm. huge progress. At just, you know, people were flying commercial flights. We had a, a, a war. He, he saw so many things in the advent of, of course, the internet. He never really embraced that because that was too much to the end of his life but he saw computers come in and and he he, start, he started his business just quickly he started his business no, he, didn't, he didn't have an office and he didn't have a phone he was living he'd, he'd broken up from my uh, mother and he was living in a little bedsit but he'd started his business and he gave out his cards with a telephone number and he said well i'm always out the office until about five o'clock so if mm. you if you need to reach me that's the best time because i'm out doing this and you know, for his business which was designing aerials funny enough but um he would then go to a phone box public telephone box at five o'clock and hang mm. around this phone box and wait for it to ring and his clients mm. would ring him and he would mm. he would talk to him right. and he started <laughs> off in this very simplistic yeah. way um and and so his life has seen so many changes Mm. and and so and i've seen quite a lot of changes you know the from analog into the digital world and how quickly you know things like uh from vinyl to cassette tape to mp3s to d digital downloads and and streaming and 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 all of this and change is so fast and then you think back generations who, who change was incredibly slow that the human mm condition would just embrace like father like son like father like mm. son and so on and and i just think this change is not good for us because yeah. i mean you, you know just look at the language change we're dancing around what phrases we can say today that tomorrow will not be the right phrases to say mm. and it's so it you know it's so quick 
it's so mm. fast and we I can't keep up with it. And there's, I get to a certain point in my life and, and I get what my dad was saying when the internet came in. He says, I've always done it this way. I don't want to embrace all this nonsense. Mm. I want the next 20 years just to be, you know, I've just learned how to do this. I want to be able to continue to do it. I don't want to keep changing. And, well, what, and, a, what a lot of us are starting to realize, or, or even the people on the right, uh, there's a lot of great th thinkers that, I don't know if you know Jonathan Pajot, there's uh, René Guam, uh, Vola, Dugan, these are philosophers, is that the Whig story of progress and history is actually a lie. Is that time doesn't necessarily, or should, it, it, it's, it's a way of seeing the world that, that oh, it has to progress, or, or this has to progress. And so your instinct, or your father's instinct, isn't necessarily wrong. A lot of people on our side are, are realizing, when we look into these philosophers, is that actually, no, there's a traditional thing that should have been maintained, that was in the ancient world, again and again. And the way mm. they saw time itself was this recurrence of the same, right, of traditional forms and the cosmology would recur, right? So perhaps yeah. you could have technology, but also these traditional forms should be uh, looked to that are almost outside of time, right? That are, that are, I know this sounds kind of strange, but outside of time, that progress, that narrative, that Whig narrative, that liberal narrative of, oh, the end of history, it has to be, no, that's, that's a, uh, it's a propaganda, right? Um, we need to look to these traditional things because they are part of our being, they they allow they allowed us to be who are who we are and also maintain us because what's happening right now we're getting further and further pulled away from meaning mm. as the world devalues because when you look like we talked about earlier when you look to structures and things you, utilitarian we build all our houses utilitarian why do we used to build it in neo gothic why do we used to build gothic buildings that mm. you sense a different value in the utilitarianness because that's the way they the world worlded to them. The very being that's around you right now, the openness being that's around you right now, how you see it is different for them because they're more connected to the traditional form. So they're not obsessed with money like we are. We've programmed ourselves to be obsessed with money. They, they yeah. have this uh, in, uh, inherent value for the transcendent and various things. So they will actually put the effort in to build the buildings like that. And that's not necessarily wrong. We've just come to see the world like it is. So it, the way it looks to us which I would call a profane. The truth is actually that's the thing that's in the temple, right? The truth mm. is the sacred. The truth, that's the truth. And this is the inauthentic. But we're building our whole lives around this inauthentic machine, right? Yeah. We need to yeah. get back to those ancient forms. I'm not saying we, we don't accept the technology, but we need to see what they are, to really understand them, and then have the value properly attributed so we build our structures. Imagine if we did that again, Richard. Mm, yes. Neo-Gothic. We started building our buildings Neo-Gothic like we did in the Victorian age. They did it. They found the money to do it. Why can't we do it yes. again? Yeah. Mm. Why, why, why? You know, you go to a Victorian pumping station, a water pumping station with all that brass and, mm. and, and beautiful big wheels and, and, and ornate. And it's, mm. it's like eight people will work there. And no members of the public would ever go there. But you mm. go in and it's like a temple. Yeah. Some of these Victorian water pumping stations with these big steam engines. Mm. And I've gone in and I filmed them, you know, filmed them as part of our heritage. And you just think they spent all this money because the environment that these people were going to work in needed to, well, whether it needed to or not, they just did it. And it, and, and it was part of their whole life. Mm. And now when you think of people in Amazon 
department um, warehouses mm. in the most utilitarian, bland, mm. basic sort of thing, and 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 houses with 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 the the slimmest window sills yeah. and and no detail whatsoever, mean little windows, yeah. and and these computer, you know, you'll have eight different styles of house on this on this estate that we're going to knock up in six weeks. And they're all slightly the same. We've just sort of pulled them and made them slightly taller or thinner or whatever. And and you'll have a patch of of uh, Italian rye grass on the ground, and that's that's it, you know. And <laughs> and the thing is, you'll make it look your own because you you can decorate it a bit. And you go, yeah, yeah but in, yeah, but but go to a village and these there's a house of 800 years there's a house of yeah. 200 years you know the architecture is different they've used different things and it's grown organically and and those mm. big old uh, horsham stone tiles and there with the moss that's been there for mm. 400 years you know and and the 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 step that's that's like this mm. now because so many people have stepped into that old tudor yeah. house whatever it was you know the little grocery store or the up the church steps and stuff and that you're there in a community that that is full of something how mm. how mm -hmm. is it that people want to live where they go there's a field one day bing instant mm. village the next oh no shops no community place maybe one little yeah. hub thing with a fake pond and no pub and no pub yeah, and yeah and no no nothing mm. and and you and you know keep off the grass yeah yeah <laughs> don't no, it's not to be used no field you know, no pub. it's like there's no there's it, what it used to be is there was a reciprocal uprising between the englishman and the english landscape it's not wild but it's country which means it's imbued mm. with our very being our mm. being and then it's being ha see you know the, what i mentioned earlier the ordo amores it, it's got the value hierarchy in it because it reciprocally uprised between the ethnic group and uh we have its order and it has an order and so it's an extension of the very land itself it's an extension of us over time it's fitted mm. to us whereas mm. these structures are sort of computerized alien exploiting of the land it's 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 yes. not it's not sort of doing like, you know, with a, when you mold a, a clay, you know, those turntables, yes. that's yes. what was done. But now it's just punk, punk. You know, it's not molded. It's not. No, you know, no, yeah. no. And, and, and it, you know, how do you get back to that? Going into one of these old timber framed buildings and seeing the, the joiners mm. marks, the carpenters marks to, to show you that. It was a sort of an IKEA build-it-yourself type technology, yeah. you know. It was all done back at the woodyard, and then all the wood was dragged, or it was all cut on site. And you go right, okay, uh, this bit goes on here with great big wooden pegs into the wonderful three hundred-year-old beams. Some of it was utilitarian, but some of it wasn't. It was just the churches were not utilitarian at all. It was for the sake of of itself. And so, how yeah. do you do it? Well, we need a King Arthur. That's what we need. We need a Cromwell to just throw them all out when you throw out the entire ruling class have an art and this is our moral order says this it's in our mythos an author mm. sometimes needs to rise and he has yes. in the past cromwell a cromwell needs to come along throw them all out and he might have to rule for a while with top authority in russia yes. here's an example of this in russia i'm not saying i'm a russia file i'm not at all i don't even like them that much but what they are doing they're building these ornate churches all over the land 
Well, we don't do that. They're building these no. magnificent, look this up, uh, Richard, is a, the Church of the Armed uh, Forces. This amazing church of the Armed Forces. It's just completely ornate, old church built by the state, right? Because, of course, they have a king, essentially. They can do that. Um, but just magnificent. They're doing this all over Russia. And we look at that church. and we go, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, go Russia, Russian, Russian Church of the Armed Forces. And I might even put this up, up on screen to the audience if they haven't seen it. It's magnificent. Um, yeah, check that out. Russian uh, Church of the Armed Forces. You should see it there. <clears throat> Big church. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Is that it and, there? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And there's a video you can watch um, about it. Oh, um, And if you look at the surface, on the very surface of the... See the ornate tiling, though? Wow. Even down to the finest detail. We used to do this, Richard, and it was in an age where it was kind of utilitarian, yet there was enough yeah. authority where Prince, I think it was Prince Albert at the time, they pushed this neo-Gothicness and we, they put the money into it because they had enough of that top-down uh, power, and that's what a king yeah. is supposed to do. Um, we've, we've lost that, and so either we need an Ar Arthur or a Cromwell to get rid of Char Charles. I don't know if he keeps on this WF thing. I'm against him. We need a yes. Cromwell to come in and be the true king, and then, and then say, we're going uh, neo-Gothic, right? Because you need someone who will stand up and, and use his actual proper powers, because he could do all that. He could do all that. It's just, and if, if, he, if they had the courage to do it, they would. It's really their responsibility. Mm. Better And it inspires. In, sorry, go, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, exactly. and it inspires. You know, the architecture yeah. of your area just inspires you and, mm. and gives you just gives you that motivation and to, again like we were saying about being proud of your country mm. and proud of the things that's going on uh, and and being with it again mm. and having purpose in your life you know it's like oh yeah i have an identity uh, me i identify yes. with my country rather than this mishmash of who am i where am i what's happened we, you know everywhere you look is not quite right mm. Well, it so, used to be a part of a wider context. You're part of the story. You used to yes. be, that was what, that's why Shakespeare asked for a coat of arms. That was what, when a yeoman became a gent, right? Is that you had a hierarchy to participate in. Like, unlike the continent, it was something that the yeoman could participate in and rise up. He could both do it spiritually and temporally. Uh, temporally, rising in, the, in his way of life and, uh, you know, getting more money or Francis Drake going out to piracy. He was just a, Francis Drake was a nobody. He came mm. back to England a lord and the, probably one of the top lords, right? So <laughs> yeah. it, it was, a, it was, a, it, and so you, you were part of that story and you had your village. It was decentralized. And like I said, there's churches. It was imbued with a value, whereas this utilitarianness. I'm sure you've seen Paul's videos about this. All these yes, cities look the same. All the cities yes. look the same. They're not unique yes, to ghastly. the place. But yeah. Yeah. No, lost their I have. unique value. And we could do it. You could turn this around. It's really about that tough authority. Um, uh, if we can, there's, there's ways to do it. Actually, there's another guy you'd pro that talks about solutions to this called Curtis Yarvin. And you should follow his Substack. He's got some very like, radical ways of, of doing. He's been on Tucker Carlson, but he's another guy that you should read his um, blog, and and that'll help you. You for your audience should be aware of some of the solutions that he could possibly be. Right. Well, look, Richard. Um, recently, you've um, faced the censors of YouTube. Um, if anyone who doesn't know Richard, they should subscribe to his channel. He does a lot of great content about Englishness, but also his channel's really blown up at the moment because, especially talking about uh 
naughty things that you're not supposed to, I suppose, about COVID and, and about informing the public when they haven't been previously informed about this stuff, right? And that's why I think this this truth has seen your channel explode. So maybe you can just talk about that because you've been suspended slash banned, well, suspended recently. It, and, and maybe you yeah. can talk about a bit how it felt to have that happen for the first time, but also just about what happened to the, the, the bureaucratic thing from the inside. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I, I, thank you very much. It's nice to uh, be here. Um, yeah, the banning thing. I mean, I've been on YouTube since 2008, but, you, you know, just stuff. Originally, it was just sort of family stuff and bits and bobs and projects I was working on and all the usual stuff until I started to take it a bit more seriously and was doing daily stuff. So it had been part of my life for a long time. Mm. And I didn't really think that what I was doing recently, although it's a huge shift, and I know we'll get into that, mm. I didn't really think it was that extreme what I was doing. Mm. Um, and I had a violation, first of all, and that came completely out of the blue. And it was a violation. Here we are in April recording this. The violation came from a video in January. Mm. So, and it was an interview with Andrew Bridgen, the MP who stood up in the House of Commons and said, I think mm. there's a problem with the recent uh, thing that we've had. And that had been on there for ages and was just carrying momentum and growing and what have mm. you, as these videos often do. And then suddenly it was just taken down and said, oh, no, that was medical misinformation. You shouldn't be uh, talking about. Well, didn't say any more than that, really. It just said mm. it was medical misinformation. That's the only clue. Mm. And and so they said, uh, you can appeal. So I appealed and they within something like 10 minutes, it came back. Appeal yeah. rejected. So, <laughs> OK, so no human being sat through that then. Yeah. Nobody sat through and listened to say, oh, no, actually, the uh, the AI on that got it wrong. And then about a week later, did an interview with a chap who was promoting a book called um, Programmed to Obey, mm. based on the fact that if we went down another emergency of some description of a similar nature, would we all do the same? Wear masks, stay inside? Would we obey the government knowing what we know now? And we sort of danced around the subject of the last few years, but we were very careful what we said. And in fact, mm. the gentleman I interviewed said, don't worry, Richard, I won't say anything that will get you a strike. No. Two hours of that video going out, I got a strike. Wow. <laughs> well, so, so it's, it, it's interesting. I think you find that once you have uh, triggered a certain thing in the system, they're watching you more closely than you realize they'll have someone on your account who's watching. So even when you put that appeal, probably someone was there and they did yeah. look at it and go, no, because they, no. you know, you've already, you, you've become a person that's disagreeable to them. Right. Yeah. I think you'll find. And there's, there, I, there's, I think there's probably a staff at YouTube UK in Ireland that does a lot of the UK stuff, I think as well. So depending on what the Lord of the different region, in the different regions, especially when it comes to that. But the thing you got the strike on is kind of strange to me because like you said, you danced around the subject quite a lot. And usually when yeah. people do that, they don't, they wouldn't, um, they usually pick a particular thing if you're not actually mentioning the bad words, but they want it like that on purpose, of course, because they want it to be uh, rules that are hard to understand because then you're centering yourself even more, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where it's very confusing for 
somebody using this sort of platform because in and of itself i don't mind that there's terms and conditions of course and if they were very obvious what the areas don't go into venture into because if you do you'll get banned then you know where you are but because they're vague and it just says something like you know you can't mention this it was mentioned and it's it's not it's against the rules of the who and you think well what have they got to do with me and my little platform talking about yeah. you know the things i want to talk why have they got an interest yeah. in it and it's all in the past anyway it's not like mm. we're in the middle of anything new that might mm. upset people it's all happened but um yeah so there you go so seven days now i'm somebody who's quite prolific with my content i usually put two videos up a day so that's quite mm. hard because you're going but I've got a diary full of interviews. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're so, waiting, uh, scheduling it. And the interesting thing, too, is that he, the chap that you had on has parliamentary privilege, which is a yeah. particular law that allows a parliamentarian to say whatever he likes about Scientology, but, whatever it might be. And you can't sue him. You can't do no, anything. That's the whole point. No. So when you have him yeah. on, it's... It, the the essence of that law is supposed to extend far beyond parliament. It's supposed to be everything, really. Is it? If you got a parliamentarian, he's, you know, I mean, it's especially if it's on the subject that he has said the exact same thing in parliament, right? Yes, yes. But I, he wasn't yeah. really saying any more. He wasn't really saying any more uh, than that. Other than, of course, we were talking around the subject that nobody was listening. Mm. He had made his speech in parliament to an empty house. Nobody was there to listen, mm. not so much even listen, but to rebut it. And that's yeah. the thing, you know, he, he may say, look, these are, these are, this is uh, the ONS figures, the Office of National Statistics, they're saying this and blah, blah, blah. But mm. nobody was there even on the opposite benches to say, well, we disagree with this argument. We yeah. would like to put this argument. And, and so no debate whatsoever. You know what's interesting is, about that, though? It's actually a good symbol for what, actually occurs is that they've de they're deplatforming him he has no one listening to him which is essentially no. what they're doing with the, the youtube banning it's removing the ears from the conversation yes. and they do this exactly the same thing in parliament so oh you're allowed to stand up and speak but no one's going to listen to you right it's just yes it's an absurd except pantomime it, yeah it except that when you do that people notice because it yeah. is very unusual Especially, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, I mean, it's so stark, nobody there. And then he spoke again in March, mm. I think the 17th of March, he spoke again. And people were tapped on the shoulder and basically told to get out until yeah. it was an empty chamber the second time. And then it becomes so noticeable that, I mean, obviously the mainstream media weren't going to talk about it, but other YouTubers are yeah, now mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, everybody is, is talking about this one individual, whereas if it had just passed and he'd made his statement, he probably would have just burbled on and no one would have made any difference. Well, what that is, is that that's enforcement of the party. That's the enforcement internally or, or in the parliament itself to stop other people from doing the same thing. Yet it has yes. a Streisand effect on people outside of that. So they probably had no choice where they thought, well, we need to stop other people doing this. I don't know. They're not. They're probably not. I don't think they're incompetent because a lot of people go around and saying, "Oh, they're so incompetent. They're just letting the refugees in. They're letting this and that in." Mm. No, they're malicious. They're actually malicious. Mm. That's the problem. They hate us. They're malicious. So we really yes. need to change the messaging on that. 
because they know they're perfectly capable of bringing people across the border and putting them into hotels and that sort of thing. They're very good. The bureaucracy knows what it's doing when it puts it puts its mind to it. But it does seem like they didn't they understand that Streisand effect probably would take off there. They knew the media would censor it, but yeah, they probably felt that the enforcement was more important the, for, yes, to show everyone to else in Parliament. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It, it's it's making other MPs think twice about commenting on these sort of issues. Mm. Not that mm. not that I think that they are, you know the Conservative Party will be there much longer after the the next oh, election. Hopefully, but, hopefully. Uh, well, hopefully it you know, won't. Who, yeah. who else hopefully. are you going to have? Oh God, I'd rather uh, you know. Well, I don't know. Better off not to vote or vote to for. Uh, who cares if they lose is the point. That's what we need mm. to get across, is it? Yes. They must yes. lose. It doesn't matter if Labour gets in. It, you never give a, a vote to a fake traditionalist or fake Conservative Party that just is not even real. Uh, no. Uh, uh, both of those parties. Anyway, it's a uniparty. That's what we need to get across to people, is that these people, they would collaborate. It's a uniparty. It's just one regime uh, that, that uh, endlessly uh, is put moving more left, left and left every time. It's like a... It's like that that uh, cog, you know, the cogs that have the the arm on them. They click, 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 click through them. It only goes yes. left, and you can't make it go back the other way. It can't make it. Right. Go, yes, yes. <laughs> it's got a break on it. But yeah, yeah. So so tell us a bit about. Okay, so you have been an entertainer your whole life. Mm. You've worked on your YouTube ch channel a long time. You've tried a lot of things. I've looked through a lot of your videos and such. Tell us a bit about. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> don't be silly. No, don't be silly. They're great. Um, how, what are they all, you had expectations about this. You wanted an audience. You had a pretty decent audience before that. You know, you had about like 21,000 subscribers for, for yeah. a long time, right? You had a really dedicated, uh, smallish audience. Yeah. Um, tell us about how that's changed now. Is it what you expected having so much? Is it overwhelming to have so many people hit you with so many emails? At once very quickly because it's now up to 130, 140. I don't know where it is. Thousand. Yes, it's like at the moment yeah. it's 140,000 subscribers. So we've taken on 100 and what, 100, nearly 120, 130 um, subscribers in in five months, whatever mm. it is. I mean, you know, that's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, what's it? What's it like? It, I didn't expect it to take off at all. You know, I just did one video. I was in a in a strange point at the point where I started changing because I'd been doing it for five and a half years. And I, I had made myself a five-year plan when I started doing the daily uh, videos and trying it serious. I said, okay, I'm going to give this five years. Because at the time, you saw people who had been doing it for about five years mm. making serious money. You know, the kid mm. in the bedroom with the spots who'd been doing the sort of... Yeah. Stuff and had all the all the teenage girls after him had been doing in about five years he had a, a million subscribers and I thought well it's clearly possible as a business but it's not a business you can go to the bank manager and say look I'm going to make these videos on yeah. whatever the niche is I have no idea how many people are going to watch it I have no idea how the advertising structure works and how many adverts I'm going to be permitted to put it in so I you know you couldn't go to the bank manager with this on a whim it's a, a ridiculous mm. notion so I thought, well, you've got to, I've got to invest five years of my life. I mm. was lucky that I had paid off the mortgage. Mm. That was the, that was the key thing because it was something that could fail. Uh, as long as I could pay my utility bills, mm. it, it could fail. It would only take five years of my life away and I could 
give it a whirl because I tried all sorts of other things, writing and television yeah. and all of these sort of things and corporate entertaining and goodness knows what, you know. Um, and that's all part of your, your life experience. So then I was in this sort of floundering thing. I was going, we've got a nice audience, but it's not really, do I, what do I do? Another five years and, and suck it and see, should I? Or is, mm. is there some new technology, new way of performing mm. or getting a message or whatever it is? And I just happened to be watching GB News one day. Neil Oliver is doing his thing on a Saturday night. We were, had gone into the fuel crisis in November last year. And he said, you know, what would happen if nobody pays their bills? Would mm. would that send the message? And I thought, that's a that's a strident position. I wonder if he's right. And I just mm. sat down on the Sunday morning and I just did a, a, a off the cuff, is Neil Oliver right? Put a picture mm. of Neil Oliver on the thing, put a picture of me. I don't know, it was about eight minutes, something like that. Mm. And within 48 hours, it had gone up to say 50 or 60,000 views and it just mm. kept climbing. And I thought, blooming heck, I say, this is a bit mm. much, isn't it? Because normally I would get something like, if I was if I was really lucky, maybe six to 7,000 views. So this mm. was, so I, I thought, okay, I'll try another one. And it was very soon. And again, that one took off, not as many, but it, mm. it, it went really well. And I thought, there's a thirst for this. People want mm. to know. And, and I had yet to fall down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So I was right. So you hadn't. Yeah. Right. I mean, I had my, I had my suspicions mm. and I, I hadn't got involved and I didn't entertain um, taking any medical interventions and things when they came mm. out. And I'd been suspicious about all of that. And I was calling that, but I hadn't gone into the deep dive as, yeah. at that point. So I was only asking questions and mm. I was doing it in a, a slightly off the cuff. Well, certainly off the cuff, but it, but a humorous way. I was mm. sort of, you know, surely our government wouldn't want to do this to us. Surely yeah, our yeah, benevolent yeah. government, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Mm. And and that seemed to resonate because people were saying, you're very calm, you're mm. measured, you're not ranting and raving at us and telling us and frightening us. You're just asking questions that we're asking. And it was mm. clearly drawing in the sort of the the people like me, really, that had Yeah, I can see that. I hole. see the people commenting and that sort of thing. I can see the... Uh, and, there's this generational thing ar around yeah. what you're doing that have been they're they've been looking for that. Um, so somehow I'd found yeah I'd found mm. I'd found this group of people who were not mm. really catered for I think, mm. and also it was, the time was right when people were questioning because mm. the the whole pandemic thing had been absurd and people having lived through it were saying did we really do that Hang on did mm. we really just blindly follow the instructions and not question anything. And so I think people were were ready to sort of then take a deeper dive. And of course, people were sending me information and saying, Richard, you've got to see this. And I would watch these videos and I would walk away from the computer going, oh, my God, we're all doomed. We're all, we're all yeah. you're doomed, Captain Manling. We're all doomed. Yeah. And it felt like Fraser from Dad's Army. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I would walk away physically shaking thinking i didn't know this and so i would keep asking these questions and more of this would come in and and it grew up and, and so you asked was it overwhelming mm. and i su i suppose it was but i was i've always had been somebody who's just had his head 
down and get on with it. Mm. The, I couldn't keep up with the comments. And whereas before having a small channel, you're very wary of the comments and you're you're trying to get the feedback from them. And and the, the comments that actually are those people who are who are who are not really on your wavelength or having a go or trolling or what have you, you'd get more concern with. It came to the point where I haven't got time to worry about any of that. You get incredibly thick skinned mm. and you realize that actually the work is is much more important. And, and, mm. and you know, you're, I just found myself and then and sorry. And then I found people wanted to talk and I would say, look, well, let's do an interview. I mean, yeah. I didn't set out, didn't set out to do the interviews. Mm. And that's when I was doing two a day. I'd do my monologue in the morning mm. and I would set an interview in the afternoon. And really... I had no really real any notion that I mean, I could see the numbers mm. and that was nice, but I had no real idea. And I it's still don't data, to a degree. It? <laughs> yeah. Whether got... whether it was working. Yeah. Well, because you look and you just see numbers and it's not real until you're actually uh, start because I my channel went from uh, like times by three recently. Um, so a similar sort of thing. But, and you're looking at the yeah. data. Oh, you know, that's great. I've got three times the audience I had before, but still. It's still just numbers. It's only when yeah. people start communicating with you that you say, okay, something's going on here. And people start I, listening yeah. to you. And then you go, whoa, hang on. I'm going to be care- yeah. a, bit more, a bit more careful about what I say or make well, sure the, they get, you know. <laughs> the, the um, what is it? The, uh, the imposter uh, complex starts coming in mm. because you think, hang on, they all think I'm an expert here. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, that's right. I'm very much, I'm very much, I'm just me. I'm just, you know, I'm just a yeah, YouTuber. Yeah. Because then when, yeah, when, but you got to have um, a certain confidence too, as well. I think everyone has that imposter syndrome. At the end of the day, you're, you know, you've, I'm sure you've read a lot of books, been around a long time, you know, yes. these, the same feeling goes through the professor, right? These people yes. that they may have a, a particular expertise, but, I think that we can let ourselves be bamboozled by that stuff when, you know, it doesn't take much of a, re- of a reasoned mind to be able to figure a lot of this stuff out. But sorry, I interrupt no, you. Well, no, I, and I would agree with you because I think <clears throat> if, if you're being truthful and you're not putting on a persona and you're not pretending that you're an expert and you're not, you know, mm. saying things that you don't actually believe then you basically can't come a cropper. And I'm all away. I've said, you know, I don't really know. This is what I think. This is, this is, mm. you tell me, you know, all of that. Um, there was a very weird time, though, when Andrew Bridgen, I, I reached out to him after his talk on the 13th of December. I reached out to him and I said, you know, you, you were, I, I emailed, I said, is there any chance I can, you know, and I was a nobody, you know, mm. really. I was a nobody. I still am a nobody, you know. But I reached out to him and said, well, no, I'd love clout, to clout is everything. <laughs> you're probably realizing that numbers are everything to these people. So you're not a nobody anymore. But anyway, nobody, yeah. I don't like that either. Nobody's a no, nobody is a nobody. No, That's just, no, anyway, I, go you on. know what go I mean. On. But I, I hadn't yeah, yeah. put myself, you know, I didn't have any oh, clout yeah. in terms of no, because I was still yeah. around about, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40,000 subscribers mm. at that point. So I reached out to Andrew Bridge and said, I'd love to just have a chat with you about doing an interview. And um, he came back to me and he said he would like to do it. So I said, mm. great. And, and then, he, then he just rang me because I'd mm. you know, given his mind. He rang me out of the blue and we had a 40 minute conversation. And he, he, he was telling me loads of stuff about the situation. I mean, he just felt like he needed someone to talk to. So mm. I was talking, I said, well, it'd be great to do some of this. You know, obviously I respect your boundaries. We'll do it for however long you like 
on all the subjects. I didn't want to be like like the BBC or any of those with an agenda and and mm. try and sort of you know challenging. I just thought uh, people are watching the channel now. Let's let's give him this space. So I did, and we had this amazing interview, and it was great. Then a few things were happening to him and he was telling me, you know, all sorts of things. And I said to, and he'd found out some stuff because now I was on his radar and he was ringing me and he was telling me this stuff. And I had this very odd moment where I said to him, he said, I've got all this stuff and I want to, uh, I want to expose various bits and pieces. This was it sort of in January. And I said, uh, and he wasn't actually telling me the, the stuff that he had, because he said, I can't tell you this, but you know, I want to do this. I said, you have got this backed up, haven't you? Yeah, and he yeah. said, well, and he said, well, no, I, I, you know, not really. I said, well, you know, I think you should. And I said, yeah, <laughs> have yeah. you got, have you, you've got locks on your doors. Is there anyone, you know, protecting you with mm. all of this? And he was sort of like, well, you know, cause he, he, he was saying, well, not really. And I said, Andrew, I'm just a YouTuber who has a channel and I, I've been going around for the last five years, just pointing at trees and there's an old building over there and, and look at this lovely landscape. And I'm talking to a, a, a prominent MP in my home on my phone. I said, this is very surreal. You've got some very important information that you want to get out. You've only got one copy of it and you haven't got security. I said, maybe you should. I mm. said, it's not for me to advise you because I'm just this nobody character who's got this mm. little YouTube. But because of that, he clearly sort of thought about it, I think. Mm. And um, I mean, you know, that was in January. So much has happened. We talk from time to time, and he's he's a really nice and really genuine person, and he really mm. cares. And he, I mean, he told me he was approached, and he said, "You can. It's a blank checkbook. Whatever you like, mm. just drop it." Mm. And he said, mm. "No, I can't. Mm. People are dying. I can't." Mm. And you know, and you just you just take your hat off to somebody like that, you know. And he's he's That's had help from. It's yeah. pretty rare. And the, 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 an that's MP. what parliamentarians are supposed to be. That, that's what they yeah. were back in the day. But it's just been so corrupted. And that's 98% yeah. of people that are there, career politicians and that sort of thing. Because there was never supposed yeah. to be career people. It was, no. it was you know, it's just a, it was a, the parliament of the communities. That's all it ever was. Um, so, yeah, hats off to him. Um, hats off to him for doing it. Because in a way... Everyone can't do that, but for the people that do, if they can get prominent enough, they can survive in their career after it. But yeah, I it's an extreme so. risk for career, but because he's the only one, he should get yes. enough prominence where the dissident media will support yes. him after, you know. The, yeah. the thing is, everything that he's, he's talking about is true, and you can't mm. hide the bodies, and this mm. is going to come out, and he's the only one, and they've all tried to shut him up. And whether he stays in politics or not at the end of all of this doesn't really matter because people will know that he did what he did. Yeah. And 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 same with all all the people who are trying to wake people up and mm. and 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 do all that. We're not doing it for the for the ego or anything, or at least I'm mm. not. I mean, I don't, some people might be getting onto the bandwagon, but it's this this time that we're living through at the moment is so. I've never I've never known a time like this. I mean, you know, you it's so important I feel what we're doing. Mm. And 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 and, he, and and because one of the things that used to happen in the early days was people would say to me in the comments, is always oh, all very well you just talking about it. We need action. We need to do something. Mm. Tell us what to do. 
And I and that really worried me because I thought, am I just sitting here spouting what other other people are spouting? Are we just adding to it, or or are we actually making a difference? And I thought, well, unless you know what it is you're dealing with, unless you mm. have a a good idea, I'm not the best person to stand in the road with a sword and a shield or a spear mm. or anything. You, you know, there are people who are good at that sort of thing. I wouldn't be good at that. I feel that from my entertainment background and clearly from the built the audience that's building up this is at the moment where i feel best placed to be you know well, some it's people a are better communications Communi department that's you yeah. know of course all, all political parties all everything i've always had a have comms people um yeah. you know the activists are activists and they usually a lot of people do that for a long time so everyone has their place and obviously yes. with your background and i understand that from you know all my family been in entertainment and I've always worked in entertainment as well. So I understand. Uh, yeah. Why wouldn't you use the skills you've got when you, you have no experience in activism? So it makes total sense to me. Um, so, yeah. But but the thing is, though, just YouTube aside or growth aside, you were an entertainer all your life. And now you have the attention, let's say, that you mm. of audience you wanted. Let's just put all that news or whatever you're doing aside. You had mm. these, all these, when you're a young man, you're always looking to grow the audience for your work. And now you have the audience for the work. So maybe you can just talk about that, how having that, having that having, come to you, that audience that you, you've, we well, you obviously had an audience before, but now it's probably at the size what you had always looked to have, I would say around yes, the, that size anyway. Well, there's, there's the funny, there's the dichotomy of the whole thing, isn't it? Because all the time you would all the time i was trying to build the audience in the in the areas that i thought i would excel at it always seemed to not happen and then <laughs> but, yeah. so so for example some of the videos in the past that i would make i would spend a lot of time with the photography and make it really lovely and sexy and beautiful mm -hmm. and all of that i would learn lines in some of the things and you'd go off to the country and you you know you spend an age of doing that and and 100 people watch it i I sit down on a chair with a locked off camera and just mm. a couple of very basic lights and I waffle something mm. and a hundred thousand people watch it. And you, and yeah. you just go, hang on a minute. I don't feel I'm earning this. I don't feel I've done enough to, to warrant that. Um, and so it's just trying to get, get used to that. And of course, mm. you know, the old adage in the theater world is you're only as good as your last show. Mm. So, if you're knocking out content every day and you see one video that just died, you go, I've, that's it. <laughs> they hate me. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. It's all over. Yeah. It's, yeah. And you're going to go, think, right, what do I do? I think once you establish a relationship, I think you, I can see already there's uh, a, a relationship over time develops and you're at a certain amount now. And once you have a relationship with those people over, let's say the next year, that it's not going to mm. go away. You're now their friend. Psychologically, it's one way on their side, yeah. but you'll, you become yeah. their sort of friend. They see you every day, and that's 100,000 people or whatnot that see you every I day. Know it's, I know, it's scary. <laughs> but also, it's the, it's the naturalism, the naturalism of speaking straight. I think that that's to do with it, too. I think people want an authenticity. So when you do over-prep things, sometimes I think it can be, yes. not you in particular, when, when one over-preps, it can be, over-polished and people want to sort of as if they're talking to their friend and you're just talking to the camera as if it's their friend about the news also it is the yes. current thing the current thing is of course what people are thinking about so it's yes. obviously going to generate well uh, i a, i was um 
I was doing my stuff. I do this um, little audio podcast that I've done since 2006, which is called The Naked Englishman, which is just it's just like an audio diary that I do. It's a very I don't advertise it. It's just on a Web page and a few people know about it. And I I do it because it's really it's about I do it first thing in the morning. It's just practice orating really and and yeah. trying to get thoughts out of my head and i've done it every day pretty much come what may and some are boring and sometimes i have insightful things or i think they're insightful mm. i shove them up and <laughs> no nope. yeah. and then one day out of the blue paul joseph watson sends me an email and he mm. says i've been listening to your stuff and i think you should sit in front of the camera and just he said rant uh, mm. about England because I was doing stuff about England and this was about three or four months before and he'd listen to the actually, podcast he'd listen to the podcast or he'd listen to videos he he watched the videos but yeah. I'd had an email I'd had an email then this is weird I had an email from a a young lady who said my boyfriend Paul Joseph Watson watches your show listens to mm. your listens to oh, the right. podcast yeah, yeah. and I thought and I you know I'd been watching his stuff for ages um and I thought Golly, that's very nice. I didn't think much more than that because I thought, wow, isn't that funny? Mm. I, I mean, in the long distance, in the long distance past, back in around about 2006, I had Danny Baker get in touch with me and he had said, I, I'm listening to your stuff. And he said, you know, it's nice because we, you know, people like us, we listen to all sorts of stuff, but nobody really knows, you know, because mm. we don't make it known uh, because it's like alternative media for them. So mm. I'd sort of got used to, prominent people just getting in touch occasionally saying we listen and i thought oh that's a bit weird because you, you don't expect it you never know but, who's listening i've had the same experience uh yeah I, it's really Car sorry go yeah no no no. go on tucker carlson i was gonna say tucker carlson's uh not him personally but his producers i just found out that they watch my show so that's really interesting you know an yeah. american a massive american company you know this is a big audience of the people so and other people of course as well uh, and if you yeah. follow them and they usually follow you back, they'll usually probably check out your show. And if it's of high quality, so it's not always the numbers, it's the quality no. of people that are watching that I found, yeah. right? And when you find it's out those surprise, things, you go, yeah. whoa, okay, I better yeah. keep, make sure my game's still lifted, right? You just don't know who's watching. But yeah, sorry, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so anyway, Paul, Paul got in touch and he said, I think you should rant about England and what have you. And this was, I suppose, in about July, and, I, and at first I thought, well, that doesn't really fit in. You know, he obviously mm. knows what he's, he's doing and you can see it works for him. And I thought, and I said, thank you so much for the, you know, that's very interesting. I'll think about it. He said, start a whole new channel and do it somewhere else. And and where I was, I was in this sort of, oh, I don't know quite what to do or how to raise the channel, where mm. it's going. And then, as I say, I did this thing. So, yeah, so he was a, a, a massive influence. And I'd love to get him back on the show and say thank you very much because when I did decide, I didn't rant as in rant in the way that he does it. I just mm. thought I, I, I'm a little bit more um, mellow, I suppose. Yeah. And, and everyone yeah. everyone comments on, you know, you're calm and you're moderate and, and all of that. And, and, of course, I dress in a certain way. So I thought, well, it's, I've got to add it all, make it as charming as I can yeah, <laughs> and as yeah, inoffensive, yeah. as in as inoffensive, which when you get a strike, you go, but I'm not really a very yeah, you're nasty too not. I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I don't it's, care. It's just, it's just don't give a shower. shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
this has been a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to want to talk about? I've had a great time. I don't know about you, but uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, this, it's been very stimulating. It's been, I mean, it's been great to 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 meet you and chat with you and and share this because these sort of conversations I don't get enough of, you know, mm. because people just accepting what's going on, and 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 we're we're not only reminiscing but challenging and mm. talking of of possibilities that mm. could come about, and and that's you know that's that's a good thing mm. we used to do it in and, pubs uh, didn't we we used to yeah that, they're trying to take that away too this is where yes. you were allowed to say what any radical idea the, the worst of them right and they've and now you can't even do that and people on the right especially get gatekeeped from things that they can't even you know on the left you could be as radical left as you want and be on absolutely right? yeah <laughs> yeah mm. It, it is it is strange no i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed the conversation it's it's okay, been great. extremely stimulating and and i appreciate you asking me to come on all right well all the best um richard check out his channel the link's in the description it's growing fast and i think it's now it's going to be it is a, a really important part of the infrastructure we're actually building you know it's, it's it is happening there's a parallel economy emerging and it's important that um people like us unify uh, Pauls yes. and all these guys, and we have a, a, a strong network uh, to resist bannings, right? Because when that happens, we need to support each other. So that's yeah. one of the reasons why I reached out. But I already wanted to speak to you anyway. So it's been a great pleasure, Richard. Hope we can talk oh, again. You. And uh, yeah, see you next time. We Look must. forward to seeing your channel.